You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I am Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sarah Church about recovering or overcoming complex PTSD. Sarah Church is a biotech executive and an advocate for mental health. At age 40, Sarah discovered that she was suffering from complex post-traumatic stress disorder due to unresolved childhood trauma. She went on a quest to understand and overcome the condition. She's the author of the book, Mending My Mind, which is a story of her journey through the process. Sarah, welcome to your superpowered mind. Oh, thank you, Kristen. I really appreciate being here. Yes, I'm excited. And I'm actually really interested in learning more about complex PTSD and all that involves and how it impacted you. Um, but first, I'm going to ask my, my same question, which is, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? Yeah, uh, the superpower that I covered was harnessing my emotions as a beneficial force in my life. Uh, so, for example, in the past, I used to push down emotions that I labeled as, as bad emotions. So, for example, anger. Um, and in doing that, I didn't reap the benefits of those emotions. So, for example, in the case of, of anger, it can give us great insights about us. It can be an alert system, a warning system. Uh, it, it just give us uh, really good information if we get curious. And then secondly, that leads us to being able to take a constructive action as, as a part of that information. And then uh, finally, uh, what I'll say about emotions, if we shut off the ones that we think are bad, uh, then we can't feel the good ones quite quite as much either. So it also brought a lot more kind of fulfillment and, and joy into my life by, you know, harnessing emotions as a, a superpower. Yeah. And I love what you're saying there. And you thought it was such a, um, I think that's a new idea for a lot of people, which is this idea that if you're if you're not really feeling and um, processing and acknowledging a lot of your negative feelings, you are also going to be tamped down on your positive emotions because it takes so much energy to keep control over these feelings and not feel them. And so then you just end up flatter. I may have experienced this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can 100% re relate to what you're saying. It, it completely uh, agree that that's uh, true. And, and, and we use a whole bunch of mechanisms to push away these, you know, emotions that we think uh, are bad, which can be, you know, exhausting or, or unhealthy. So for example, for me, it was excessive overworking. Um, it can be using, you know, food substances or or, or other things, uh, or just having a anxiety or, or other things come up in our life, because it, it really doesn't work, you know, in the long run to continually push emotions down, they find a way of, of showing up. They do, they do, they're, they're, they're wily. in that way. <laughs> um, 
So I want to just start by saying, what is complex PTSD and how does it differ, if at all, from, I guess, regular PTSD or just PTSD? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. And I had the same question uh, four years ago when I was diagnosed with it uh, myself and, and uh, went on a quest to kind of really understand this. And and, and to your point, uh, it is a, a form of PTSD. So I'm going to start by kind of quickly defining PTSD and then adding on the few elements that makes complex PTSD a, a little bit different. But uh, first and foremost, uh, CPTSD or complex PTSD is a form of PTSD. Um, and what PTSD is, as, as probably a lot of people know, it's exposure to a traumatic event that either feels or is life-threatening, and it causes symptoms in your life, so such as nightmares, flashbacks, uh, uh, sensitive stress response system, so that can be triggered in, into fight-or-flight mode. Um, so an example of this we often think about is, is that war veteran and uh, they may be triggered by the sound of a car backfiring and having a, a very uh, large reaction to, to that event, unlike someone who wasn't in a, in a war zone. Um, and so what complex PTSD is, it includes kind of uh, those uh, symptoms and, and exposure to traumatic events. Uh, but, but what's a little different about it or what makes it complex is it's generally caused by a series of traumatic events over time, often in childhood. And, and as folks know, in, in childhoods, when children's brains are doing the, the massive amount of, of developments uh, in laying the, the groundwork for an, our entire lives. So it's a series of traumatic events. Um, it can be horrific events that are chronic, such as uh, a child being kidnapped and, and held in, in captivity. Or it could be more common things that, that many of us have experienced. So uh, think about having a, a caregiver that was addicted to alcohol or, or drugs and the chronic uh, stress uh, a child may uh, face in, in that environment. Uh, per, a parent being taken away, such as parental uh, incarceration um, and, and things that are just kind of repeated of, of that nature. Now, the differences in, in symptoms, it includes the regular symptoms of PTSD, but there are a few additional symptoms, um, and, and there's great information from the World Health Organization on, on these. Um, uh, one is uh, more difficulty with emotions. So in my case, I just avoided uh, my emotions uh, and, and, and really pushed them away. Uh, secondly, a diminished self-worth. Um, so really kind of changes a, a person's kind of relationship and in, in, in identity with themselves and often manifesting with excessive uh, guilt and shame. And then the, the thir third uh, implication is uh, often kind of difficulty sustaining, you know, relationships are, are really kind of feeling close and in, in, in sustaining that connection to others. Okay. Yeah. Lots of information there. Um, I want to go into um, more of your own story and how that showed up for you and, and what you understood from it um, and how it's showing up for you now, how you've dealt with it, just because I think that will be super interesting for other people. But we do need to take a break first. Um, before we go, can you let people know where they can find your book? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, saradchurch.org, uh, S-A-R-A-C-H-U-R-C-H.org. Uh, and then there's links to retailers that that sell the book, obviously, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, places uh, like that. Thank you. Great. Good. Hang on, everybody. Um, we will be right back after the break, and I'll be talking to Sarah more about what is involved when you have complex PTSD and you're wanting to um, decrease the symptoms in your own life. So hang on. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. Welcome back, everyone. So, Sarah, you were before the break. You were just telling generally, you know, what complex PTSD and some of the symptoms are. How you're saying? I understand that you discovered that you had complex PTSD not until you were forty. Um, so, what caused you to realize this? There was something going on. What did it look like for you? Yeah, uh, for me, uh, what it looked like uh, uh, initially, um, you know, I overworked. I was so uh, dedicated and, and devoted to, to my career, and I, I didn't realize it, it was excessive. So I didn't have access to realize something was was fully wrong because I kept myself distracted as a, a defense mechanism mechanism. Uh, uh, through uh, work, but how it showed up uh, for me essentially was uh, my life looked great on paper. Um, I had had a, a very successful career in, in biotech, uh, married to a, a wonderful uh, wife who I very much kind of respected, and, and we had a very positive uh, relationship. Uh, we even had you know a new house, and, and things just looked great on paper. But I, I always had this very slight nagging sensation that would come up at, at times that something was just a, a little off. And then I just pushed that that away. So I had I did have a little warning light um, coming up. And then what happened is with the challenges of everyday life that many of us face. So, for example, uh, the, the startup biotech I was working for got acquired by a large uh, biotech company. Um, you know, my wife and I had relocated from Los Angeles to Seattle um, and we're adjusting to that. And so normal life challenges uh, started to to really kind of overwhelm me in, in a way. And I didn't have uh, the ability at the time to say, hey, here's what I'm feeling. Let me talk to my partner uh, about it and and work together through those challenges. What I did was I, you know, ignored them in, until they got so overwhelming that I just got up and, and walked out of, of my marriage and, and, you know, went to an Airbnb. And, and I realized then I, I really need to, to get some help. This isn't a, a normal response to these regular challenges and, and ended up uh, in, in a therapist's office at, at that time. Yeah. And, and so it sounds though, like for the rest of your life, you were, you were pretty highly functional then. Was it not, were you not having symptoms before or were they not so extreme or how does that work? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I had the same one. I was actually over-functional, um, uh, for example, uh, you know, like, for example, it wasn't just kind of chasing kind of different career achievement goals. Uh, I was doing things like running marathons and, and, and triathlons and, and those sorts of things and just kept keeping myself too busy. I did have some symptoms uh, such as, you know, there were times in, in periods of my life with more stress that I kept having kind of really bad nightmares, waking up. Uh, you know, very sweaty, having to change into a new pair of pajamas, you know, and, and my default mechanism was, was to ignore those things in part because I was so functional in, in many areas of, of my life, like career, et cetera, um, that I told myself, no, you know, it's, you know, things are, are fine when I had a nagging sensation or, 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 or nightmares. Um, and quite frankly, I think that my story isn't, you know, that unique. According to the CDC, 61% of us have had something called an ACE, an adverse childhood experience, which can cause trauma that impacts us uh, decades later. And adverse childhood experiences are things like parents, you know, with with substance abuse, divorce, so many, many common things that that we face in, in childhood. Um and so it's easy to minimize uh, things from the past showing up in, in your, your life a, as well. Yeah. And so how, what is, um, I guess this is, maybe this might be a dumb question, but what's the difference between having saying you were like having, like, how did you and your therapist decide, okay, wait, I have complex PTSD as opposed to just a lot of stress in my life or do you understand what I'm asking there? Like, how? Do yeah, you- absolutely. Yeah. Like, how do you even diagnose? Yeah, uh, you know that that this is complex PTSD because, frankly, I had never heard of CPTSD. I have obviously heard of a PTSD. Um, uh, you know, uh, a few ways. Uh, I had a, a very big event happen after uh, I walked out of of my marriage. So. I called my mom and said, you know, I knew I had a lot of adversity in my childhood, but I told myself a few things. One, leave the past in the past. Number two, adversity, you know, makes me stronger. Um, and number three, to suck it up. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that was my belief system. And after I walked out of, of my marriage, I had to look really hard in the mirror. My mom came and brought childhood letters that I had saved for um, decades that I hadn't seen. Um, and essentially, uh, there were uh, some really kind of serious things, like a newspaper article that a girl my same age in my neighborhood was, was killed in a, a, a drive-by shooting, um, letters that I wrote to, to this you know girl that uh, I was there with her, and I'm so sorry that I just ran uh, letters from uh, you know, a, a classmate in school saying, I'm sorry, you know, you know, about this, the shooting and, and, and loss of your friend. And, and I didn't remember any of this. So I knew I needed serious uh, help at this time. And, and so what I did to answer your question is I went to a therapist that specialized in trauma. And she took about a three month history, it took her a long time to, to get to the diagnosis. Um, and, and she also kind of explained to me, the ways that, you know, 
we protect ourselves, uh, you know, to avoid that, that things from our, our past may happen. Um, if it weren't for these letters my mom had brought, I probably wouldn't have gotten the diagnosis. Or if it weren't for seeing a therapist that has a specialty in, in trauma, um, I probably wouldn't have gotten the, the right diagnosis and, and treatment. Got it. So if somebody does have CPTSD or PTSD, are there ways to help treat it? And so that it's, um, you know, not have not having such an impact on you anymore? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, it's very unlikely to be a human uh, adult without having some traumatic things happen in all of our past, past that, you know, that, that can show up. Um, and so there are a few ways to, to treat it. Um, uh, number one is there are treatments specifically for trauma, which I utilize. So uh, you know, we generally think of, of therapy as, as sitting and, and talking kind of back and forth. And, and while some of that was incorporated in, into my therapy, uh, I had to do memory reprocessing work. So I had some significant events like the one we talked about from, from childhood uh, in, in which, you know, a lot of those memories did end up coming back. So we had to use EMDR or, or kind of reprocessing of traumatic memories um, and, and this technique can can work for you know any traumatic memories from our past that that show up in our our life and in the present and, and impact us. I also did uh, mindfulness uh, based work. Uh, there's a lot of science, brain science out there on, on what mi- mindfulness does to um, you know rewiring and and, and uh, improving the the functioning uh, of of the brain. I did a lot of kind of healthy lifestyle sorts of things, extra exercise. So exercise can relieve symptoms of anxiety, uh, for example. And then lastly, uh, writing was really helpful for me kind of processing and, and integrating uh, things in the past that, that were kind of showing up in, in, in the present life. Okay. Yeah. So in case people don't know, EMDR, it's a, a method where it's a uh, eye movement desensitization or something like that, where essentially you're, my understanding is where you're moving your eyes and or getting something on both sides of your body so that you're involving both sides of your brain and actually processing it. Is that a very butchered way of your understanding of how it works? No, I, I think it's well said. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, bilateral uh, uh, stimulation. So in, in my case, instead of eyes, uh, you know, eye movement, um, there were little tiny, you know, paddles that looked like a skipping rock that I had in each each hand. And, and what it allowed me to do is revisit a traumatic uh, uh, memory. And, and so in the case of, of my home, there was a, a lot of, you know, substance abuse and, and, you know, my mom ended up kind of incarcerated. And so those were very visceral memories for me. Um, and so what that, that does is it allows you to stay present because you're experiencing, you know, something I've experienced the sensation of, of these kind of little rock like kind of slightly buzzing paddles in each hand. So I was present with the therapist, yet kind of processing the, the memory of, of the past as opposed to kind of flashing back and in, in being in the past memory. And so that all of those kind of memories lost their 
their impact. I can talk about it now and and I won't have an activated, you know, stress response. I don't have nightmares. You know, I, I feel quite kind of comfortable and, and centered, yet still attached to my emotions. I don't have to shut them off. Um, so anyways, um, uh, your your description, you know, really hit home for me. Yeah. And so what happens, you know, because I am not a specialist in trauma, but a lot of us have, well, say almost everybody has some sort of like what I would say little trauma, which wouldn't aren't traumas in the way you think of them as with a capital T, like you're having sort of what you experienced. Um, but what happens if you do some people have really adverse experiences if they try to go back and, and, you know, revisit the trauma without getting guidance uh, they certainly can. And, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, according to the National Alliance on, on, on Mental Illness, uh, there are about 60 million people in the U.S. Uh, suffering from some sort of, of, of uh, mental health condition. And only about half of those have access. And, and, and so that's uh, really unfortunate because it, when it comes to dealing with, with trauma, it is really important to get you know, guidance. Uh, uh, that said, a lot of people uh, do their own. Uh, so I'm part of the CPTSD Foundation, and and there are a lot of people that do use their own methods to, to healing. So for example, when I was running kind of excessively, um, you know, doing doing marathons and, and, and whatnot, um, uh, that was also a way for me to naturally, naturally, we know how to to do things to alleviate our, our symptoms. Some people instead use substances to manage, you know, symptoms of, of things. I use things like running and, and work and, and writing. So there is a certain amount of, I think, innate wisdom we have if we really kind of connect to ourselves. Um, so I don't want to say that that it can't be done without the guidance of an expert. It's not everyone has access to that. And there were things I did outside of the guidance that, of an expert that that were useful to me. Uh, but there are definitely risks in, involved in, in going to those really hard memories with, without uh, that guidance. Yeah. And I guess it just it depends on the intensity of it. Because, you know, and I guess one of the things I'm curious about is you you talked about adverse child experience, adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, so that could be Something like where many, many of us, you know, we've had somebody right with with substance abuse in our home and the ways in which they're absent and or other behavior. Um, does that have to rise to a certain intensity for it to then become complex PTSD? Or no. No? Okay. Yeah. So okay. I guess how does how does that all understanding that a little bit, I guess. No, the, the, yeah, thanks Thanks for asking. You You bring up something so important and, and apologize for, for interrupting. You know, I, I, I think this is such an important point because you mentioned earlier uh, little T's as well, uh, little traumas and, and hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, so quite frankly, uh, a series of, of little T's, you know, I know I gave a drastic example of, of you know, for example, parental incarceration or, or you know, uh, the, the death of a, a friend. And, and, and those are kind of drastic big T's, but it was the, the little T's that actually, I believe, had a bigger impact on me 
and, and we often minimize those those things. Um, so an example of, I think, a, a little T that happens to, to so many of us is, is, for example, emotional neglect. So people could have a nuclear family that, that looks great on paper, two parents, you know, they're present for all their sporting events, et cetera, uh, but not, not emotionally present or not, you know, giving praise periodically or or doing kind of different, basically emotional neglect. And, and that over years can have huge impacts on, on people and, and can rise to the level of, of complex post-traumatic stress disorder, even though their, their family may have looked uh, wonderful. Uh, uh, there can still be, you know, a series of trauma that can, that can really wound a, a person. Yeah, it's really interesting, to, you know, just working with people. There's so many ways in which, you know, if you're working with people and you're even, you know, something in the present, like you're not stepping forward, you know, not taking action and, you know, doing things, you know, you want to be doing. And then you get back to these memories of being a child and, um, you know, interactions with parents and or siblings where you're a child and the event itself doesn't look that terrible, but from the viewpoint of a child, they don't have the brain power to understand. They don't have the ability to say, oh, it's not that my parents hate me. It's that they're really upset or they're up to their eyeballs and barely hanging on with the stress of everything else. And they're running away and they don't have good people skills. And a child will take that as you know, I'm a terrible person and I did something wrong. And it's so interesting to work with people and be able to get back and go into, un, you know, really giving understanding and looking at like writing the story differently from the way it was written in their head, I guess is the way I would say it is. Um, and it's almost everybody who has something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think this is, you know, so, so important because uh, to your point that, that not only is a, a, a child's brain developing and developing kind of all the connections uh, from a, a, you know, neural pathways standpoint on, on how they make sense of the world and, and themselves, things like words or even lack of, of words when you you need comfort or, or praise can can really change the way somebody sees themselves and and, and can create these different stories in, in in their head that that can carry you know uh, with them and and I've really come to believe in in this journey that when people are struggling with various issues in their life be it anxiety having trouble sleeping, eating, you know, too much, maybe excessive work, perfectionism, substance abuse. There's so many things uh, that, that we, we can struggle with. I, I do think it, it's worth kind of, you know, looking under the hood to say, hey, was something from a long time ago impacting me? And I'm, I'm using some of these things as, a, you know, a coping mechanism or a distraction and and, uh, you know, because the, the stories of, of people in, in, in the CPTSD community that I've heard, there's so many different types of things from their past that, that have kind of manifested 
in, in their present in, in different ways, and including the stories and uh, they believe about themselves or, or look at the world. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's like a puzzle. Um, and it's an important puzzle, <laughs> frankly. Um, you know, you had mentioned that one of the things that you engaged in was mindfulness and how that can help um, rewire the functioning and wiring of your brain. Can you explain more about like what kind of mindfulness you engaged in and how does that help to rewire? Because mindfulness now is such a buzzword, like it can mean a million things. So what specifically did that mean for you? Yeah, it meant, uh, meant a, a, a few things. One way uh, for me now is just staying present. So we all have thoughts, you know, in our head, why did I say that in that meeting? And and we can end up kind of going down the road of, of following, you know, that that thought. Um, or we could just, you know, label it. Oh, I'm having a, a thought about that meeting and, and you know, either put it in, in the back pocket and it'll go away and get back to doing the dishes or, or, or whatever. Or, hey, is there something I can learn from this for the next meeting? Um, so it, it's just kind of staying present to your your thoughts and, and your, you know, feelings, you know, for for, for me, but what I initially did as a practice is, is I was um, meditating twice a day. So there are a lot of clinical studies, um, you know, Harvard University of Wisconsin, Madison about uh, mindfulness to including kind of brain scans to, to look at images of the brain uh, to see how they change in, in mindfulness in, in, you know, really uh, validated studies has resulted in, in things like the amygdala that, you know, ends up causing us to kind of really, uh, you know, PTSD can be part of the reason we overreact and, and, and have a, a big kind of stress response. Uh, you know, you see kind of changes uh, in a positive way in, in functioning of, of the amygdala, prefrontal cortex, which is our center for, for judgment. Also things, you know, that are unrelated to, you know, our, our psychological functioning. I mean, uh, you know, medical uh, things like um, uh, it could be blood pressure, other other things like that. So there's so much data. So I actually followed and in, in copied uh, clinical study protocols. So I did twice a day, 20 minutes of just mindfulness. So that was staying aware of, of my body, my thoughts, kind of labeling them, letting them go. Uh, copying the study designs for for eight weeks, and and that was really helpful for me. And then I ended up doing a ten day silent meditation retreat. So I got pretty engaged in in meditation, uh, quite quite frankly. Wow, yeah. So that's just another way of um sort of taking yourself out of your habitual reaction, which is often so. Um, just automatic. It's like your, your autonomic nervous system and your brain go down the path of panicking rather than the path of, Oh, wait, you know, this is a threat rather than it's not necessarily a threat. So that's very interesting. Yeah, that's exactly it. It created space from having a, a thought or a feeling between having that sensation to then having a reaction, there's there's a little bit of space, and and you could be like, oh, that's that's okay, that's just a, a thought, it's not not constructive, uh, 
you know, or you can figure out, oh, here's a better way to, to respond. Yes. Um, and what I've also found really helpful with people, especially with anxiety, is when the body starts going into that, um, n- not even going into the thought, because just saying, huh, oh, my nervous system is triggered right now. I am having, a, I'm going into a fight or flight. And sort of energetically working with the nervous system without even going engaging in the brain. Because with my own experience, I do know that I'd be like, ah, I'm having all this tightness in my chest, you know, which is what I feel. And it's almost like that tightness and that anxiety in my body would create the anxiety in my head. So if I could stop and just be like, oh, my body is feeling really anxious right now. I didn't have to go into the stories. And that retrained me. It was, I think I'm more, um, I'm very kinesthetic. So being mm-hmm. in my body is like, ah, okay. I could, I could hold on to it almost, if that made sense. Yeah, that, that make, makes perfect sense. And actually, you reflect one of the first assignments my therapist uh, had me do. And, and she said, just label it label when you're having a thought or, or a feeling, just stop and label it. And, and most of the time, you know, that, that got me back on, on track and, and centered again. Uh, you know, most of the time when I was in that acute phase of, of healing. Um, so yeah. exactly. Super interesting. Well, the thing that's really the message I want everybody to get is that you can be completely overwhelmed and in this, form of shutting down and acute um, unhappiness and turn it around. It sounds like. Absolutely. And our, our, our brains are, you know, neuroplastics, plasticity, they can change, they can improve, they can heal. I mean, it's, you know, so uh, remarkable for me, at least how different my life is now, you know, four years later after kind of doing this, this work and, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, good. Well, remind people again where they can um, find your book. And and I'm wondering, you know, if people are struggling with this, is there a place they can go? I mean, sure, we can, I guess, find therapists, although therapists are getting really hard to find right now, um, or very booked up, at least in where I live. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there a place to start that you could recommend for people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, to your your first point, uh, sarahchurch.org is the website. And I actually put a list of, of resources that were helpful to me and, and, and that I used. Uh, there are a few great books like The Body uh, Keeps Score by, by Dr. Vander Kolk. Uh, so there were many great books, inspiring and, and useful podcasts like this one uh, was, was very helpful for, for me, making sure to put consume positive information uh, into my mind when when I was on that healing journey. Um, And then the other uh, organization that was very helpful for me was the CPTSD Foundation because it it allowed me to connect with others and they had a lot of great resources. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, It's been a pleasure to talk to you and to hear about your story. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Kristen. You're welcome. And listeners, if you are interested in discovering more about how to connect into our community at 
superpower experts, um, you can just go to yoursuperpoweredmind.com and check out some of our programs and membership options. And I appreciate you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to take care of yourselves. And until next time, remember you do hold the power to change and transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 